Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. We come here again to dive right back into the book of Haggai. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Zerubbabel's prophetic future. Now, to some extent, um, we're not going to get a whole lot into the aspect of this that deals directly with Zerubbabel, but there is an important detail here that we need to look at. Now, the context of what we're going to read here, and we are closing out the book of Haggai. Almost seems kind of sad. <laughs> I've been going through this book for some time now, and, um, and it has been a major part of building what has come to be known as the Plenteous Redemption podcast. And uh, it's, it's had ups and downs as we go through and try to uh, establish how I'm going to do this. But there are 23 verses in the, the second chapter of Haggai. We are looking at the last three or four verses today. Now, we'll, we'll go through these, this information with a little more detail, uh, but today what we're going to look at is very important, and though the context of these last few passages is the future of Zerubbabel, a prophetic future for Zerubbabel um, that extends far beyond his time, we're going to look at a certain kingdom and a certain throne that the Lord intends to deal with and the Lord will deal with. So let's read the passage, Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. And again, the word of the Lord came unto Haggai in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother." And that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheltiel, saith the Lord, and will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. So a lot of important details here as the Lord closes out the book of Haggai, and um, much of it deals directly with, with Zerubbabel, and it seems the Lord has future plans for him, because the details given here do not directly relate. Again, the, the, this, this second chapter has been full of prophetic information. And, and the Lord is alluding to and pointing to His second coming and His future reign on earth. 
And, um, and, and it's, it's interesting how the Lord reaches back into the Old Testament and he selects certain people like, you know, Moses and David and here Zerubbabel and he names them and says that they play, they will play some future part in his future kingdom. And so we're going to look at how some of this will come about. Now, the Lord, he's reinforcing his plans for Israel's future. So in case you didn't know, Israel and the church are not the same thing. And you need to know that. You need to understand that. And great folly comes from a lack of proper division, from rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and, and that's one of the most basic levels of understanding that you can gain from studying the word of God. It's one of the most basic divisions in the word of God. Uh, as basic as Old Testament from New Testament, as basic as kingdom of heaven from kingdom of, of God, so is the church and Israel. Israel and the church, they are not the same thing. God has future plans for the nation of Israel, and you pay attention to those, because some of, that, some of the future plans for Israel involve the church, or, or at least the ending of what we often call the church age. And so while it might not deal with us directly, there are principles and implications there that we need to be aware of as Christians. And so it seems clear that Israel has a future, and one that in no way signifies that it is replaced by the church or will be replaced by the church. That's not in the cards, <laughs> if you will. That's not in the Word of God. Now, a lot of people teach that. A lot of people teach what, what has come to be known as replacement theology, and we're not going to go into that here, though it, it wouldn't be bad to talk about. We just It's not fully in our context here. I just have to mention it. And uh, maybe, Lord willing, at a, at a later time, these are ideas and topics that can be dealt with more in depth as I dive into them myself. Um, the church did not replace Israel and will not replace Israel. Um, they are two separate entities in God's Word, and they require Bible students to pay attention to. Now, this passage guarantees us the Lord Jesus Christ will, will return to future dealings with the nation of Israel. And uh, Zerubbabel apparently will have a, a major part of that. And uh, so we're not going to devote ourselves to corrupt low-level kings. I mean, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, is going to come back someday and establish his own kingdom here on earth. Why would we, why would we concern ourselves with a bunch of corrupt, low-level you know, Putins and Saddam Husseins and Qaddafis and whatever else the world throws at us? There are plenty of corrupt, wicked, dirty leaders all over the world. But that's not, that shouldn't be our concern. We shouldn't be tricked into uh, devoting ourselves to people who are not the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll do what we can within the governmental structure the Lord has placed us in and uh, try to serve Him, not, not the, the kings of the earth. We can begin this future overthrow by looking at the kings of the earth. You're going to see how the Lord's going to deal with those kings as they make moves to gain power and wealth and they try and take territory that doesn't belong to them or they claim belong, belong to them, whatever the case may be there. Their success causes them to inevitably set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. And the more successful they are at, at, at uh, invading other countries, invading their neighbors, the more bloodthirsty they become. No, no country that had, had colonial intentions took enough countries that they were satisfied. <laughs> you 
you know, back in the colonial days and, and colonial powers, they, they took one country after another and, and they were never satisfied. It was, it was a worldwide grab. Certain countries still have those intuitions today. They still have those intentions today. And, and you see that right now with Russia and, and China. You can, be, you can be certain is watching this and they want to see how this is going to go. And, and if Joe Biden proves to be as weak and ineffective as everybody knows he is, then pray for Taiwan. They already took Hong Kong. Taiwan is, on, is next on their list. They'd like to take anything and everything in the South China Sea. They have global aspirations and the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. That's, how, that's, how, that's the order of this world until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Let's look at how the Lord defines this relationship and what's taking place. And you can see that in Psalm 2 verses 1 through 12. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance." and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are they that put their trust in him. So you see there's a problem here that, that the kings of the earth bring upon themselves. They set themselves against the Lord. They have either option. The Lord says, look, you can either kiss the son before you make him angry, or you can join this crowd that, ha- that have set themselves against the Lord. And honestly, if you take a look around today, you look at one government after another. Do you know of a single government whether whether it's the majority of their leadership or their or, or an individual in their leadership, how many people in government positions do you see who are willing to kiss the sun, who are willing to bow down to Jesus Christ and do things the way He said? Not many, uh, if there are any at all. I mean, it's an unbelievably rare thing to find someone who's willing to bow his knee. While, while leading the world, or while leading a government, or while leading a country, a city, a state, whatever the case may be, whatever level of government it is, it's unbelievably rare to find a man, a woman, I mean, if she's a woman in political leadership, then she's already violated the Word of God, but that's, that's a topic for another day, and, and God is very clear on how to handle those things, and, um, and, and so if she had bowed herself down to the Word of God, she wouldn't be in that position, but... Back to the question, uh, how many men do you know who, who bow before God while in positions of, of uh, governmental power? Not many, if any at all. And, and the few that do, uh, sometimes they're so wicked and, and have such reprobate lives that it's, it's hard to see past their, their unbelievably filthy character 
though we are grateful and thankful for the, for the fact that sometimes they're willing to bow down to Jesus Christ and their leadership. So, you know, Psalm 2 is the fate of militias, militaries, kings, dictators, politicians, every sort of government. You set yourself against the Lord and against his anointed. He's going to sit in heaven and laugh. And then someday he's going to come back and deal with you. You know, I understand I'm nobody. I, I'm just sitting here in a little small town in Uganda, Africa, uh, I'm not telling you that I'm going to do anything. I don't fight governments. The Bible is very clear that I'm supposed to, as long as that government doesn't ask me to violate God's word, I am to subject myself to the government. And I intend to do that. And and so I'm not here to fight the government. I am warning you that Jesus Christ is going to return. The Bible says righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a, re- a reproach to any people. So if it's your intent to set yourself against God and his word, you're going to be dealt with by God, not me. <laughs> I have no power against you. You know, I have to say what the Lord said. My, my kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> I, I, I belong to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven suffer with violence and politicians and governments. They produce that violence for their own personal intentions, their own personal ambitions, um, I have nothing to do with that. That's, that's between you and God. Uh, it is my responsibility as a Bible teacher to inform you that God has made very clear in his word. If you're a government that helps his people, if you're a government that uh, does your best to implement his word as you uh, put yourself in a position of leadership or you are put into a position of leadership, whatever the case may be, uh, if you do that, it pleases God. But if you join this crowd of dictators and government leaders who set themselves against the Lord, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? You've decided you're against God. Why would you be mad at me for informing you of the consequences of the decision that you made? (laughs) Don't be mad at me. You chose to be against God, not me. I want to serve the Lord. I want to, and then I would prefer if I had the choice to be under a government that that would stay out of my way as I intend to do that and would not set set itself, the government itself, against the Lord or against Jesus Christ. So let's go back to Haggai chapter 2 and verse 22. Let's be a little more specific. Look at Haggai 2 verse 22. And I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. That's very interesting. The throne, not thrones, uh, he doesn't name a country. He doesn't name a king. He doesn't name a person, an individual. But he is alluding to somebody here. And I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength. I mean, those are definite articles. The throne, the strength, uh, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. So, so something is going to happen here, and, and the Lord is going to deal with the throne, and he's going to deal with the strength. Who might that be, or what might that be? Uh, it seems the Lord has someone specific in mind with regards to Haggai and this, and this prophecy. And we want to see if we can figure out who that is. And, and I believe I have an idea and, and, and we can get a little more information if we look at Luke chapter 4 and we'll read verses 4 through 7. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written that a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And, and now as we go into this next um, temptation, 
Let's look at what the devil does here. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, now pay close attention to what Satan says here. All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. <laughs> now, according to Satan, in a conversation he's had it having with Jesus Christ, the power and the glory of all kingdoms of the world have been delivered unto him. They're under his full control, and according to him, he can do whatever he wants with them. Now, what we have to notice here is the Lord did not respond to that statement. The Lord did not correct what he said. Satan said, the power of the kingdoms, the glory of the kingdoms, they have been delivered to me. They are mine. As such, I will do with them what I want. The Lord didn't say, you're lying. That's not true. The kingdoms of the world don't belong to you. The Lord didn't correct his statements, but instead rebuked Satan's request in light of the statement he made. So he's offering the Lord Jesus Christ, the, kingdom, the, the kingdoms of the world, the power of the kingdoms, the glory of the kingdoms. He tells Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give all this to you. And it's in my power to do that. And the Lord says, there's not a chance I'm bowing down to you. <laughs> he didn't say, you don't possess the kingdoms. He did say, I'm not bowing down to you so that I can receive the kingdoms in that way. I will receive them in accord with the direction that my Father in heaven laid out. That's the way I'm going to do it. I will not take a shortcut and bow down to you so that you can give me something that you showed me in a moment of time. <laughs> if it can be demonstrated to you in, in a moment of time, there may not be too much to it. And it may not be worth bowing down to the devil so that you can receive. And the Lord said, I'm not bowing down to you, though it may be true that the power and the glory of the kingdoms do belong to Satan. If we put this together, there is a throne over the kingdoms of this world. The Bible is very clear. God is not in control of this world. Now, I know that statement is going to cause some of you to lose your mind. <laughs> and just follow along with me and let's read the verses and see what they say. And, and if I'm wrong, then have at it. I'm wrong. But if, if I'm right... And the only reason I would be right is because what I'm going to demonstrate to you is directly from the Word of God. And if I'm right, then we need to be more careful with our statements. And we need to be more careful how we talk to lost people when we tell them, well, God's in control. And that lost man says, oh, that's, that's odd. My daughter was raped last night, and God was in control of that. My child was molested. God was in control of that. My wife was murdered. God was in control of that. So no, God is not in control of this world. He can be in control of your individual life if you'll trust in him, but he is not currently in control of this world. If he was, this world would be like the millennial kingdom where the Lord Jesus Christ will rule and will reign in righteousness. Right now, you have two kingdoms existing side by side on this earth. You have the kingdom of God, which only those who have trusted in Christ and, and the saints throughout the ages are a part of that kingdom. Otherwise, you have the kingdom of heaven. And we're all, everybody who is physically located on earth is in the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, the question is, where are you going to live your life? Are you going to live as though you're part of the kingdom of God? Or are you going to live as though you're part of the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is the physical earthly kingdom. It's made up of the entities and the ruling powers and the governments and the things of that sort that, that, that rule and reign on this earth. And the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is invisible. It's a spiritual kingdom that, that, that we join the moment we trust in Jesus Christ. And so with those two separated properly, you should be able to look at this objectively and say, okay, God is in control of the kingdom of God. There is no violence against the kingdom of God. It's not happening. You're not going to take the kingdom of God by force. It belongs to God. But the kingdom of heaven right now is up for grabs. It belonged to Adam. Adam sinned against God, and in doing so, he turned the kingdom of heaven over to Satan. And from that time until now, he's the God of this world, he's the king of this world, and he has a throne over which he, he, from, from where he rules over the, king, the kingdoms of this world. And, and, and so as, as long as he has that power, and according to him he does, according to the Bible he does, then God's not in control of the world. Love not the world. Separate yourself from the world. Uh, know ye not that, the, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. God's trying to tell you repeatedly in the word of God, right now there's a course to this world that goes against God. I'm not in control of it, but I want to be in control of you. And so we go around arguing with people that God's in control of the world, over, you know, which he said plainly in his word that he's not. But we rarely allow God to have control over us, and, and that's where his work is really supposed to be done. <laughs> I understand some of you have a hard time with this concept. I get, I get that. And many have, unwitting, have unwittingly adopted Calvinistic ideas, but ample biblical proof exists to back this reality. And one must remember that Satan's reign over earth does not then bring the, the, the conclusion that God cannot take control when he pleases. God can and he will, just as he made clear in his word, he will take control of this world at some point. We're not there yet. So right now we live again. I mean, if you just listen, if you just read how the Bible characterizes the world and, and read where God's control actually is currently, it, it becomes so plain. Right now we reside in this present evil world. I mean, which part of an evil world does God have control of? Now, when you read about Jesus taking control of this world, he rules and reigns in righteousness. There is no present evil world when Jesus Christ is in control. And so there's a stark difference. You've got to pay attention to these, these details. So let's look at the Lord himself admitting this fact. Look at John 18, verses 33 through 38. And, and again, I always have to ask, do you believe the Bible? If you believe the Bible, then that means that what it should mean is that you believe the words that are written to mean what is said there. You don't read the passage and say, well, the way I interpret that. No, you, you don't interpret the Bible. You believe what it says. And as long as you're interpreting the Bible, then what you're doing is you're reading, you're reading the passage and then telling the passage what it means. And that's not what God told us to do. He said, believe what I said. So rather than trying to apply some mystical, magical, man-made application to the passage, 
just believe what it says. And, and so here's an opportunity. John 18, verses 33 to 38. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Listen to the answer. Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell, it, tell thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Now again, let's read the answer and pay close attention. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, (laughs) What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Now, what did the Lord say there? And, and why would you argue with him? Jesus says as plainly and as clearly as it could possibly be stated, my kingdom is not of this world. But God's in control of the world. No, 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 no. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, <laughs> God would do something about it. But right now, right now, his kingdom is not of this world. And it's so important to pay attention to these little details and not just skip through this and, and, and then go and tell people God is in control of this world. Because when you do that, you're suggesting to people who, who may not have matured into, into good Christian understanding, you're suggesting to them that just like the Calvinists would say, God, God is guilty of the evil that takes place in this world. He knew it was going to happen. He allowed it to happen. In fact, the Calvinists would go to so far as to say that he predestinated it to happen. God is the source of the sin in this world, and he's not. And when you're not careful and you don't properly explain these things, you, att- you unintentionally accuse God of the, the condition of this present evil world, and it's not God's fault. God is not responsible for the condition of this world. If this were his kingdom here and now, you better believe it'd be a place of righteousness. It'd look like heaven. And that's what the Lord taught the apostles to pray. He taught them that, that God's kingdom would be here on earth. And currently it's not. But, but that, is, that is what's coming down the road. But it's not here yet. This is not a petty detail. This is very important. You know, there's a lot of debate over, you know, the Lord's second coming, um, what's going to happen to the church, what's going to happen to Israel at that time, and, and all the things that are going on. If you remember, when the Lord comes back, he said there would be, there were, there's going to be great tribulation, all right? And the purpose of that tribulation, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. And the purpose of that trouble, according to Daniel, it's to bring an end to sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness. He, he's going to take control of this world, and he's going to bring the, the, the things that he hates to an end. But we're not there yet. He hasn't taken control yet. Now, he wants to take control of you. 
Why do you want to argue about whether he owns the he controls the world or not when you won't let him control you? Why are you concerned about his power to do what he wants in this world if you won't allow him to 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 get you know work through you and 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 exercise his power on you? You and I that have trusted in Jesus Christ, we belong to the Lord. We've been bought with a price. He is supposed to have control over you and me. So why fight over the control? Uh, the external controls when there's some internal control that needs to be taken place. Just some food for thought. So the Lord states plainly, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then I would fight over this matter. And by the way, I would win (laughs) easily. And if anyone doubts that, they just need to go read the book of Revelation and learn of the victory that will come when the Lord returns. When the Lord wrote the book of Revelation, he didn't say, man, I hope I win. (laughs) He said, at a certain point, I'm coming back and I'm putting an end to this. I I will win. I mean, it's not up for debate. I'm not, it's not, you know, the Lord's not sitting up there biting his fingernails like, man, I hope this works out. Uh, He will take control when he is ready. None unto me are all my works. Whatever he has written that he intends to do, it will be done. You can count on it. Now, God limits himself in many ways pertaining to his power, his ability, his knowledge, and and in many other ways, in order to accomplish his word in both a just and a merciful manner. This is the difficulty. God's got to be both righteous and gracious. He's got to be angry at at unrighteousness, and he's got to be merciful. These are all attributes of God that have to be exercised at the same time for billions upon billions of people. And the only way to do that in a just and a righteous and a fair and a proper manner is for the Lord to to lay out in his word what he intends to do and then place upon himself certain limitations so that it can be properly accomplished in a way that, that free will creatures can have the room and the space they need to make their decisions. I don't have time to unpack all that. That's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a big discussion. And if you'll, if you'll take some time and chew on that and think about that and then go back and consider what we're talking about, you'll realize that I'm not telling you that God is somehow weak. What I'm telling you is that God relinquished control of this world. He gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. And until Jesus Christ himself comes back, that's where it remains. I'm not going to take it from Satan. You're not going to take it from Satan. Satan's not going to give it up. He was willing to give it to the Lord if the Lord would bow down at his feet. The Lord said, no, I'll come take these kingdoms when I'm ready. And I'm going to do it the way my father said. I'm not doing it the way you say. And and so he told Satan he could hit the road and Satan nodded his head and hit the road. (laughs) He didn't want anything else to do with the Lord. And so God gave the kingdoms of this world over to man Adam sinned against God and therefore turned his kingdom over to Satan. Since that time, Satan has been both the God and the king of this world until the Lord returns to correct this reality. Haggai is prophesying of that coming day. The Lord will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. Let me me show you another proof text. Let me show it to you again. Look at Revelation 11, verses 14 through 15. Again, if you pay attention to the detail of the wording, 
And if you believe what it says, rather than trying to apply your own personal meaning to it, it's unbelievably clear. Revelation 11, verses 14 through 15, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, now listen, And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become. All right, now, if we stop right there, and you ask yourself, If the kingdoms are becoming something at this point in time, that means that before this point in time, they were not that. So we're about to find out here what they become. But as we read it, I I want us to see that if they are becoming this now, that before this passage, they were not that. Okay, I mean, I I understand that's very simplistic, but, but that's how, that's the beauty of the word of God. You break it down to its most simple Simply stated format, and it means what it says. And you get to learn a lot about the Bible. It's, it's wonderful. But when I have to go to commentaries, and I have to go to preachers, and I have to go to all these different people and find out how they interpret this passage, you're going you're to come out confused. But if you'll just read this and believe what it says, it'll, it'll go well. So let's, let's finish the passage. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So until Revelation 11, the kingdoms of this world belong to Satan. And Revelation 11 has not taken place yet. That's a future event. That's a future prophecy. And I think this is directly related to what Haggai is talking about. The Lord is going to break the throne. He is going to break the strength And then he's going to take those kingdoms and make them his own, and he's going to rule in righteousness. That's what we have to look forward to. And for some reason, (laughs) we get to rule and reign with Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, not yet. You know, the Lord rose from the dead, and they said, you know, all this power is delivered unto you. But he has not yet taken that power unto himself. But he will. I'm not trying to tell you that God is somehow weak and can't take control. I'm telling you that God has stepped aside for a measure of time, and through this process, he will accomplish his will in the end. All right, so that's, that's, that's essentially how that works. So the day is coming when the Lord will re- retake control of the kingdoms of this world. Um, and I believe that's what Haggai is talking about. Let's go back to Haggai uh, chapter 2, verse, verse 22. Let's read it again. And I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. The Lord says, he will overthrow the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. Now, think back to Luke 4. In Luke 4, what what did Satan tell the Lord? He said, the power and the glory of the kingdoms belong to me. And here in Haggai chapter 2, verse 22, the Lord is saying, I'm going to break that power. I'm going to break that. I'm going to break that throne. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to overthrow it. You've got, you've got, your time is limited. I'm coming. And when I come, I'm going to deal with you. And I'm going to break the power that you've had over this world. And, and actually, everybody's going to look at you and say, that's who did all this? 
the, the kings of this earth are going to look, we're going to read it in just a second. They're going to look at Satan. They're going to say, really? That, that's it? Yeah, that's it. That's who you were bowing down to. That's who you gave yourself over to. You could have had the king of kings. You could have followed the Lord Jesus Christ and you could have ruled and reigned in, 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 as best you could in righteousness and subjection to Christ. But instead you chose to follow the, 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 throne of the, the throne of the kingdoms of this world. And you chose to set yourself against the Lord. And um, the Lord is saying, I, I will break that strength. The heathen will lose access to the power that allows them to cause the kingdom of heaven to suffer violence. The Lord says, I, I am going to put an end to that. But not yet. We're not there yet. And, and, and something else you got to keep in mind, there's more to, to Putin's thirst for blood uh, than we would suppose. There is a throne behind that kingdom, and there is a source to his strength. I mean, think about it. Why, why are some of these leaders so adamant that they must dominate their neighbors? They must take over other countries in the world. Uh, Russia taking Ukraine. And, and Vladimir Putin is certain that Russia belong, or that Ukraine belongs to him and will not give it up. Um, China is going to take Taiwan as soon as they can. And, and even now, if you suggest Taiwan is an independent nation that deserves to be respected and recognized, China will condemn you and come after you. They are certain that place belongs to them. Why are they so adamant about these things? There's something else to it. There's something more to it than just a government power deciding, I think I want to, I think I want to invade my neighbor. <laughs> and it's, it's an incredible thing. There, there's definitely something more to it. There's more behind it. And uh, there's coming a day when, you know, we, now that the times of the Gentiles must be fulfilled. That's where we are now. And the Gentiles are violent. They, they're just violent. They, they, they're going to do their best to take the kingdom of heaven violently and by force. And man, they are, they are having at it. They're going at it. And, and so that's how it is. So there, there is an enabling power that drives the heathen. And a day is coming when the Lord will break that enabling power. And then, uh, and then he has future plans for, for Lucifer, for Satan, the devil, the serpent, whatever you want to call him. Look at Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 19. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which disweaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet thou shalt be brought down to the sides of the pit." They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, Everyone in his own house, but thou art cast out of thy grave like, like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword, that go down to the stones of the pit, 
as a carcass trodden under feet. So the Lord has future plans for Satan and his reign. Haggai's telling us that the Lord's going to overthrow him. Isaiah's telling us the Lord's going to deal with him quite harshly. And um, there, there are plenty of other passages in the Bible that make very clear this will be the case. So the Lord will break that throne and that strength, and then he will bring the world around to see the source, the source of that strength that the heathens had that allowed them to rule and to reign and to be violent and to invade and to steal and to kill and, and all the other horrendous things that they've chosen to do. And then they're going to say, is this the man that made the earth to tremble? Is this the man that, that did shake the kingdoms? Is this the man that destroyed the cities of the world? The Lord will cast him out of his grave like an abominable branch. He is an abomination. And he intends to be an abomination till the day he dies. He doesn't want to give up uh, that place of significance in this world. He would rather reign the way he does now and meet his ultimate demise than to, than to change and to do something about it. Now, I'm not suggesting that change is an option for him, but it just seems he's quite comfortable with his future destruction. He's okay with it. And so he's going to make the best of things. He's, he's going to be as defiant as he can until the Lord comes down and, and deals with him in a, in, a, in a harsh, harsh way. So the Lord is not in control of this world currently, but the Lord will be the, the Lord will but the Lord will bring an end to this wickedness. That day is coming. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That is going to happen. You can count on it. So the sooner you align with him, it just would seem the more comfortable and the better off you would be when he finally takes the control that belongs to him. That same Lord may not yet control the kingdoms of this world, uh, but he can, he can assume control of your life. So rather than arguing about whether he does or does not control the kingdoms, does he control you? Does he control me? What place does he have in our lives? He can lead you day by day or hour by hour. That choice is ours. That choice is yours. You can either follow the broken kingdoms of this world or you can follow the king of kings who will lead you into everlasting righteousness. Uh, Destruction is coming for the kingdoms of this world. Those who follow after God through Jesus Christ our Lord will be exalted with the Lord. For no other reason than you trusted in him. That's, that's incredible to me. That is wonderful news. And so I'm going to do what I can to serve Jesus Christ. I'm going to do what I can to navigate this present evil world and to do so as a stranger and a pilgrim who's looking for a country. Because this is not my home. If it was, if it was, that would mean that Christ is ruling and reigning, and that righteousness has been established, and we will rule and reign with Christ. So you choose which side you're on. The choice is yours. It's completely up to you. I hope you'll choose the Lord Jesus Christ. There is everlasting reward just for trusting in Him. 
I'm not saying that to try and entice you in, a, in an improper manner. God said that in his word. He will help you escape hell, and then he, he will make you heir to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and all his riches. You will rule and reign with him. You'll be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You have all these wonderful, tremendous uh, present and future blessings that come just from trusting in Jesus Christ, and God, God made it so. He organized it that way on purpose. So, praise the Lord. I am thankful for that. I am grateful for that. And um, pray that the Lord will, will help us as we make our way through this present evil world. we got to stay focused on Jesus Christ, though <laughs> we're in some strange times. A lot of interesting things are happening, some good, some not so good. <laughs> and um, we just got to stay focused on the Lord as we as we go through these things and um, let the Lord help us along our way. Thank you for listening. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.